I want to talk to you this morning about life change. Being a person of spiritual integrity. It is something that is so, so important. Geordie Aitken, a man that I know, five foot six inches tall, a Christian who lived in Glasgow. He's been in prison. He was an alcoholic who is now sober. And for a large period of his life, in his younger years, he was involved in the paramilitary services in Northern Ireland. And as you can imagine, he was involved with all sorts of activities during his time there. I first met Geordie when I was living in East Kilbride in Scotland. He had a ministry called Loaves and Fishes, which went around the red light district of Glasgow on a Friday night, handing out soup and a roll to the prostitutes as they um, stood in between their various encounters. Geordie would talk to them about how he became a follower of Jesus and what a difference it had made in his life. And then he would share about how much Jesus loved them. No matter where they had come from, no matter the things that had ever taken place in their life, he would just share with them about the love of Jesus. And often he would recall when he was talking about maybe the previous Friday evening that he saw tears come up in their eyes because there was a sense where they almost couldn't believe that someone would love them like that when what was happening was that men were just abusing them for their body. Geordie would just keep going and wouldn't let them return to work until maybe their pimp turned up because he was disturbing the business flow and asked him politely to move on or maybe not so politely to move on. Geordie was fearless. Nothing fazed him. One day I dropped into his home to see him and he turned, he made me a cup of tea and we sat in his front room. It wasn't a salubrious house. I actually think it was a prefab, if I remember correctly. And it wasn't a salubrious house. He didn't have much in it. But I want to tell you, this man had a smile that could melt the ice cap. He looked at me over a cup of tea and he said this, do you know what I love the most since I became a Christian? And my response was, no, Geordie, what? He said, when I get into bed every night, I was quite taken aback. I thought, how does getting into bed, you know, give you the best feeling since you've become a Christian? He says, I pull the sheets up each night. He said, I lie there on my back and I pull the sheets right up to the top of my chest. And I lie there. And because I now have a clear conscience because of what Jesus has done for me, his forgiveness of my past, I can close my eyes and fall straight to sleep. Whereas at one time, I couldn't do that. Because of what I'd seen and what I'd done and who I'd been. He said, I now fall asleep, no worries, no cares in the world, and no regrets. 
I have found peace, love and acceptance. These words have always stuck with me. Always stuck with me. Here is a man whose past would condemn him in so many ways and yet something had happened in his life which not only transformed um, the fact that he was an alcoholic and he was sober but had transformed him to such a degree that he lived with only one purpose in life and that was to please the one who had given everything to him and accepted him even though others would have rejected him. He was a sincere man. Was he perfect? Geordie Aitken would never be perfect. He was just a human being like you and me. But he lived a blameless life in terms of he, he knew who his saviour was and he knew who to go to when he failed. He was changed. This little short five foot six wheeler dealer, a man you didn't cross. I wouldn't have crossed him. I'm a big bloke, but I wouldn't have crossed him because even at five foot six and the fact that he was older than me, he could have taken me down. He was this little barrel guy who had given up all those things to follow his newfound saviour. This morning, when continuing on this whole theme of contending for unity, I want us to consider another aspect of what it means to become a mature follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be a person of spiritual integrity, have singleness of purpose and purity of heart? Those words for me reflect something of me or us trying to live a life which is holy. In Mark 7, I'm going to read you Mark 7, just the first 13 verses. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that observe such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, and I want you to hear these words. Jesus was no, um, he wasn't backward at making statements, all right? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? I mean, what an opening line. As it is written, this people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honour your father and your mother, 
and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. In this passage, Jesus is coming from a very, very, very busy, intense time. And he has basically, when you go back into the previous chapter, he's been rejected in his hometown. And he uses those words that we've probably all heard before, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown, basically. He sent out the 12 apostles in pairs, in, so six pairs, and given them authority over sickness and Satan and his kingdom. John the Baptist has died, and Jesus is a hot topic of conversation. People saying things to, uh, to one another like, well, maybe he's John the Baptist who has come back from the dead. Maybe he's Elijah, maybe he's one of the other prophets. He was a source of conversation. Then his his apostles return or the apostles return and what they want to do, they just want to tell him all that they've done, all that they've taught, all that they have seen. And Jesus makes a statement that he says, well, Let's go from here and let's go to a solitary, a desolate place. Let's withdraw. Let's get some time out. That's what he's saying. Let's go there and rest a while. And so as it goes, the, Jesus gets into a boat and they push out and they go across the lake. But by the time they get there, as Jesus gets out of the boat, what greeted him was he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He had fed the 4,000 with food that would have only just at best fed one family. Probably not even that. He was tired. The disciples were tired. And yet when he saw the crowd, he had compassion. He was moved in the deepest recesses of his physical being. And so he laid aside his own comfort and began to teach. But then the disciples uh, don't arrive, they're with him. And after he's been teaching for a while, they come and they implore Jesus. They say, look Jesus, please, will you not send these people away? They, they're hungry and they need something to eat and we're in a desolate place and they need to go into the towns that surround and buy food. And, you know, then Jesus takes that stuff, those loaves, those fish, and he, he tells them to feed them. At the end of all this, he then goes on and heals other people. He calms a storm. He does all this stuff. And then to cap it off at the beginning of Mark 7, we read the Pharisees turn up. So tired, 
having withdrawn, having tried his best to take some solitude and rest, having been moved by compassion, having just taught people, fed people, healed people, he is now confronted with the Pharisees. They had not come to him for the living word. They had not come to him for the living word. They had come to discover where Jesus was missing it. And so they posed the question, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus takes this opportunity to highlight something for me that is so important for us to consider on our journey of becoming mature followers. When he turns and he talks to them and he refers to them as hypocrites. Hypocrites. That is not just somebody trying to bat something off. I mean, that must have stung them something rotten. A hypocrite was a person who professes beliefs and opinions that he or she does not hold in order to conceal his or her real feelings or motives. A pretender. He was saying to them, you're pretenders. You talk about following God. You talk about all these things, but you're pretenders. You're pretenders. We know that passage that was lifted out of Isaiah so well, or those words. This, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as, the do- uh, as doctrines the commandments of men and not of God. Honour is about showing esteem towards, to revere and to give value to. Jesus was saying they're bringing their worship They're bringing their worship. They're saying that they're honouring God. They're going to show God esteem and they're going to revere him and give value to him in their life. And then he more or less says to them, stop paying lip service and actually do what you say you're going to do. He talks about their heart being far from him. The heart is the locus or the centre of a person's thoughts, their mind, volition, their emotions and knowledge of right from wrong, their conscience. And in scripture, the word heart has those things all in it. So their mind was not really after God. The outward appearance was... Their emotions were not really in it. They were actually trying to avoid. He, he goes on to tell them, you actually are trying to avoid things. You're not allowing your emotions to be touched to the point that you will walk according to the commandment of God. And they even twisted right and wrong. They even twisted right and wrong using what they thought was a clever move. Jesus has highlighted the gap between words and actions. And we need to ask ourselves, who am I 
at my true core. I've been going through Mark's gospel for several weeks and in my personal devotion, when I came to this particular passage, I found myself seriously challenged. I started to look at my own life and ask myself, what is it that I say with my mouth and do with my life? What is the inner man, really, in comparison to the one that is projected on a Sunday, sat here behind a lectern, opening God's word or trying to open God's word and share it with you? If I'm honest with you, I didn't like everything that I saw. Honestly, I didn't. And I realise that God is challenging me and I believe would challenge us because I don't... uh, I just know that I'm not an oddity. I know some people think I am. Um, But I'm not an oddity and I know that we all know areas of our life which are out of kilt with how we project and say we live. I want to walk as a man of integrity. Integrity is wholeness. You get what is on the tin. Liz and I had flatbreads last night and this morning there were two left from last night and I wasn't going to have a nibble before I came to church, the flatbread, all right? But we were looking at them and thinking, oh, maybe we'll have those later. And on the surface in the packet, they looked absolutely great. They were still in date. And Liz pulled them out to look at them. And when she pulled them apart, there was mould in between the two flatbreads. Now, if I looked at the surface that what I could see, and I just folded it in half and whopped it down, I'd have eaten mould that I didn't see. But our lives can be like that. Our lives can be like that. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to walk walk upright, in honesty, with sincerity and singleness of purpose. Geordie Aitken had closed the gap and experienced a clear conscience. He'd experienced love acceptance, forgiveness and peace that word sincere that when it's used in scripture is a beautiful word they had this process in the first century when Jesus was alive that what they used to do when a vase got cracked they used to rub wax into it And by all accounts, they could do it in such a good way that looking at the outside of the vase, you wouldn't know that it was cracked. It's a bit like that repair shop program, you know, where they bring them these battered old things and they restore them. And so when somebody was going to buy something, what they used to do was they would lift it to the sunlight. And even though at this level... 
Nothing appeared to be out of place. The moment that the sunlight took light on it, all those little wax trails became evident. A cracked pot. Not a crack pot, but a cracked pot. Literally. Do you know when I am lifted up and the light of God shines on my life I don't want there to be any wax trails I don't want there to be any wax trails what Jesus is saying basically here is if we worship God if we say we worship God and yet there is a disparity between our heart and the outward appearance Our worship is fruitless. It doesn't matter the beauty of your voice. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are on a piano or a guitar. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter that you can read scripture at the right time in a church service and it sounds brilliant. It doesn't matter if you can call heaven down in the way that you pray. If there is a disparity between heart and action, that worship is fruitless. Jesus, you will remember, because he doesn't pull his punches. Jesus once said to the Pharisees and the scribes, you are whitewashed sepulchres. You look nice on the outside, tombs full of dead men's bones. And if a fresh body was in there, probably a pretty hefty stink. We know that when Jesus went to see Lazarus uh, and the family and he raised Lazarus from the dead, one of the things they said, he's been in there three days, he'll be stinking, basically. So he he said to the Pharisees and the scribes, he said, listen... You look good on the outside, but the truth is you stink. Do you know what is so, so shocking? Is actually, I believe, more than likely, every Pharisee and every scribe began with genuine intention. Genuine intention. But somehow they lost their way. The law and the prophets is fulfilled by doing two things. Loving God with all our heart, mind and strength. And loving our neighbour as ourselves. On another occasion Jesus tells that parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You may know it from Luke 18. And here they both are in the temple, the tax collector standing at the back, the Pharisee right at the front. And the Pharisee prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I get. Good church partner, this guy, isn't he? But then the tax collector who was standing, it says, far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and he prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down, this is Jesus speaking to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So how do we know if we're going to walk in integrity? How do we know if we're walking with integrity? Well, number one, we know because when we examine our heart, we know how big the disparity is between our heart and what we portray. But we can read about the lives of men in the Old Testament, people like Noah, people like Abraham, people like David, who were flawed men but were men after God's own heart. You see, because walking with integrity does not mean that we walk with perfection. It means that we walk with our heart postured towards God and what God really wants. The Old Testament mentions Job. And bless him. Job is a challenge because... If ever there was a man who seemed to be almost perfect, it was Job. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Later in the same chapter, Satan is before the Lord, and the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, blameless, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil chapter 2 and the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil he still holds fast to his integrity although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason and then his wife gets involved in this chapter and says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job's response in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I actually think there is a connection between integrity, wholeness and holiness. There is a connection between integrity and being a person who walks in integrity because they fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And a person who walks like that, I think, walks in a way which demonstrates the holiness of God. In the New Testament... Jesus doesn't use the word integrity as such, but he talks in Matthew 5, 8 of purity of heart. In Matthew 6, 22, singleness of purpose. And then in Matthew 6, 1 to 6, purity of motive. Integrity begins with the fear of the Lord. We know what the scripture says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom it is the beginning of wisdom not the end the beginning of wisdom and if we want to be a person of integrity we are going to need to walk in the fear of the Lord 
And those passages of scripture about the holiness of God, I'm not reading them to make us fearful in the way that you might think, which is, oh, no, 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 no. But I do want to do it in a way which means that we elevate God truthfully, not just as words, but truthfully. We elevate God to the position in our lives that he deserves to have and we should only be too willing to give him. I found this verse as I was studying, Malachi 3.3. Malachi is is a prophetic word, and in verse 3 he says, He, and I've put in brackets Jesus, because I actually think he is talking about Jesus, will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, But it is this next bit that I want you to listen to. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. They will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. We are the most privileged people on earth. We've celebrated communion this morning. We never deserve to be given another opportunity to come and have the possibility of eternity with God, our Heavenly Father. We didn't deserve to be reconnected with Him in this life. And yet through the gift of Jesus, through His death and His resurrection, through His suffering, we have been given the most amazing opportunity to come and be in relationship with the almighty holy God, the holy God that I read about this morning to you before I started. Living in obedience to God's command is not a way of earning God's favour and salvation. It is in itself an act or offering of worship to the Lord. Our obedience as closing the gap between our heart, what the inner man and the outer man or the inner person and the outer person, closing the gap and living and bringing offerings of righteousness to the Lord by fearing God, turning away from evil and living in the way that God would have us to live is not legalism. It is worship. It is worship. Yeah, it is worship. Geordie Aitken, I will tell you this about him. He still had his quirks, but I want to tell you, he did live with only one thought in mind. He did not want to serve the enemy. He wanted to serve the God who had changed his life. He had a single purpose. He loved God. He loved people. And even with his idiosyncrasies, he still, I believe, lived as a man of integrity. People who walk with God with integrity walk before him not only in the fear of the Lord, but in holiness. Because when we fear the Lord in the right way, that we only want to please him, then I want to tell you, we will walk far more holy. The gap between our heart and our outward actions will be smaller 
than what it is if we don't pay and give attention to it. Will we be perfect? Probably not this side of eternity. In fact, the day you think you are, you've just failed being perfect. That very thought means that you failed. But what it does mean is this, that you will begin to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. We will together begin to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit and they will be evident in our life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's this phrase I like, against such things there is no law. And where there is no law, there is no judgment. Where there is no law, there is no judgment. I just want to encourage you. No law, no judgment. Peace, joy and love can be our portion. Let us determine to walk as people of integrity who fear the Lord making sure that what we say and how we live connects with who we are on the inside. And where we find things, and this is the beauty, where we find things, you know, the holiness of God, the light of God, when it shines on us, is it any wonder we see stains? Is it really? No, it isn't. Should be no shock to us when God's holiness shines into our life and we see some stains. It's a bit like that advert for the washing up liquid about turning your greys back white. The only reason God's holiness exposes the greyness, the stains, is so we can. Do 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only has God called us to walk in a particular way, but He's given us the tools that we can maintain our walk with God. We do not have to become downhearted. Because we make mistakes and fail. Because he loves us. He gave Jesus for us. I want to live a life of worship. To God which is true and fruitful. And I hope you do too. Let's pray.